For the last six weeks, we have gathered and we've gathered in the school of prayer. We're learning how to communicate with God by learning from the master, from Jesus, the, uh, who answered the only question the disciples said, teach us to do that. And the thing they wanted Jesus to teach them was to pray. And so Jesus gives them what is known as the Lord's Prayer, and we're unpacking it kind of verse by verse. Now, when it comes to the Lord's Prayer, I imagine that most folks in here might be able to say it by heart. I certainly grew up memorizing it, and maybe you did too. So here's the question. When you say the Lord's Prayer, do you just say the Lord's Prayer, or do you pray the Lord's Prayer? Do you say the Lord's Prayer? Do you just say the words because through rote memory you just know it by heart? Or do you pause, slow down? Do you pray the Lord's Prayer? Not only just the words, but does it come from your heart? Does it come from your soul when you say those words? Well, we come today to the fifth petition or request of the Lord's Prayer. The first three petitions have to do with the vertical relationship we have with God. It begins, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, holy, other be your name. That's the first request. May your name be different because you are different. May you be God. That's what we pray. Other is your name. Your kingdom, that place where you reign, may it come. In fact, the end of the Bible, the last few words are, Come, Lord Jesus, bring that kingdom. And then the third is, may your will, until that happens, may your will be done here as it is where you are in heaven. That's the vertical part. That's the part you've got to get that right to get the horizontal part right. And uh, last week, Mike did a great job with give us this day our daily bread. In fact, his slide and his tagline, if you did not write it down, you, you missed it. I hope that you committed it to memory. And it was this. Give us, I think we have the slide, give us what we need so that all we need is you. My friends, that is an amazing understanding of give us this day our daily bread. Lord, would you meet our needs so that the only need we have is you. That is a, a powerful, powerful prayer. So we come to the fifth petition. It's a request, and it starts out so good. I love how Jesus starts this. It starts out, uh, forgive us our sins, our debts, our trespasses, our wrongs, and I wish you would have left it there. 
because that's a great request. Lord, forgive us. However, we name what we do, trespasses, sins, debts, <coughs> may you act as if they never happened. Forgive them, wipe them out. But he didn't stop there, and it's a problem. Forgive us our sins as slash or like we forgive others who sin against us. Really? I hate that saying. That is really difficult and hard. And, and, and I want to give Jesus kind of a, well, maybe he was having a bad moment. Maybe he didn't think through his theology correctly. But when he finishes the Lord's Prayer, and you can look this up in Matthew chapter 6, the only verse that he comments on in his prayer is this one. Listen to how he clarifies it in Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, their sins, their debts, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses, your sins, your debts. So here's the question. Is God's forgiveness of me, of us, conditional on our forgiveness of others. Now, I, I wrestled a long time this week. In fact, I invited Mike to preach this Sunday. <laughs> he looked at me and he smiled and that's all he said. <laughs> so we better pray. Join me in a prayer. Jesus, you say some difficult things and help us to understand why you would say it in this way. Lord, we've come to sit at your feet and be taught. If there's anything that would hinder us hearing you, learning from you, becoming more like you, I pray you would remove it because that's what we want to do. Meet us in this place. Give us ears to hear and to the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us to comprehend what it is you want us to know and do in these words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'll ask it again. Is God's forgiveness conditional on our willingness to forgive others. The text says it. Jesus says it not only once, he says it twice. If that is true, it is at odds with the rest of the New Testament. For let me tell you how the Apostle Paul would say as he looked at these verses. Colossians 2.13, And you speaking of believers in Christ, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, 
God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Paul writes to the church at Corinth in his second letter, chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he, she, is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That old self has passed away, and you are a new person. Hebrews chapter 10 where the writer of Hebrews takes the whole sacrificial system of the Old Testament and shows where Jesus perfects sacrifice no longer has to be made because sins are forgiven once and for all. It says in Hebrews 10, and by that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And Hebrews 10, 14 goes on, and I did not put it in a slide. For by a single offering, his death, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. All right, my friends, how can it be that Jesus is saying one thing that our forgiveness seems, appears conditional, and on the other hand, the New Testament writers are saying, all is forgiven through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The problem is, these words are in red in your Bible. They come from the mouth of Jesus. These words are from folks who have begun <coughs> a relationship, who are called by God to bring the gospel. I'm tempted to clo close in prayer and say, go figure it out. But I, I thought, I knew it. I, after, after wrestling all week, I thought, I've got it. How about if we just say that Jesus said this very difficult thing about forgiving and not forgiven. If you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. How about if we say that was on the before side of the cross, which goes with the Old Testament thought of God saying, if you, then I. And that goes there, and that I'm thinking, okay, it's time to close in prayer. But it's too easy. Because there's something else I think God wants us to know about forgiving and about our forgiveness. There's something bigger here than just being comfortable and writing it off as, well, they, we don't have the cross yet. So as we look at this text, I believe Jesus is telling us that how we forgive others and how we live are very closely connected with each other. How we forgive people and how we live are very closely connected. He says, forgive us our sins like we forgive those who sin against us. Jesus is telling us somehow it is bad for us 
if we are not forgivers of others. In fact, I came up with this statement. If we do not forgive, it will short-circuit our experience of forgiveness. If we do not forgive, it short-circuits our understanding and our experience of our own forgiveness. To understand how to forgive someone and why we forgive someone, we first must understand and realize the grace and the mercy in our own forgiveness that has been given to us by God. It's only in understanding the depth of our forgiveness, it's only in me understanding the depth of my forgiveness that I'm able to forgive other folks. And I want to confess, I have not been a great forgiver in my lifetime. I remember hurts, and I hold on to those hurts, and I have held on to those hurts. So what, Jesus, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to us? And so in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus gives us an example of what he's talking about. And it comes in the 18th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. It says, and you may remember this parable. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, before we go any further, you need to know and understand 10,000 talents in our coinage of the day is about $20 million. It is given this amount saying this is a debt that could never be repaid. Never. There's no chance in a lifetime of a person that this debt could ever be repaid. So what does a servant do? Because back then, if you couldn't pay up, there wasn't bankruptcy, your, you and your family were put in prison or made to work until the debt could be paid off. And so this one who had a debt who he was never going to be able to pay off, he begged for patience. And he said, give me more time. Give me time. But the king in the story did more than just give him time. He forgave the debt. He said, I'm going to forgive this debt that you could never repay. The servant just begged for a little mercy and he got God's amazing grace. The story goes on. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, a denarii, a hundred denarii, in, in our day and age, 
a denarii was about 74 cents. So you're looking at about three months of payment. A debt that could be repaid. And seizing him, this servant began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. Now before you and I get Upset. Well, how can that be? What a Nimrod. Remember who this servant that is at the heart of this story represents. That servant represents you and me. We are the ones that have been forgiven an unforgivable debt. And yet, how many of us, if we were really honest, have a hard time forgiving those that have hurt us, harmed us? You and I are human. And I imagine that almost everyone in here has done exactly what this guy did. We have been forgiven a great debt for a myriad of sins that we could never pay back. And we have refused forgiveness for someone that has hurt us. So look what happens next. The other servants saw what had happened and they were greatly distressed. And they went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you. And in his anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how your heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. Here's what I want you to see. His, the, his inability to, to forgive made him incapable of grasping his own forgiveness. Do you see how that flips? You can see in his inability to forgive that he has no grasp on the way he has been forgiven. So think about this. <clears throat> key to the ability to forgive is the grace to grasp the reality, the depth, the height, the extent of our own forgiveness of how much and how completely we have been forgiven. 
as a Christian, if you name Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you acknowledge that he gave his life to pay for all of your sins. You can't earn it. It's a debt you could never repay, but he paid it for us. We cried out for mercy, and God gave us grace. And I came across this graph of the Bible. These are all places of forgiveness. And that bottom, uh, the third section up are the Gospels. And, and our call on how we are to forgive by Jesus. And how can he call us to forgive like that? Because we have been greatly forgiven. If we can grasp, if we can grasp, if I can grasp the depth of the love that God has and the extent of forgiveness he has extended to me, no one will ever offend you or me in the way we have offended God and he has forgiven us. And so Jesus is saying, how is it that you and I might not be able to forgive another? And here's, I think, the key to this text. Unless we forgive, we will never be fully forgiven in our own minds and hearts because we will never grasp what forgiveness is. We will never be free and to live holy, W-H-O-L-E-L-L-Y, holy as whole people. We will never be able to do that until we grasp God's forgiveness for us. And if we don't forgive, we will be like Jenny in Forrest Gump. Remember Jenny? Jenny was Forrest's young friend, and she had a terrible upbringing. And we have a picture in the movie where she and Forrest visit the house where terrible things happened to her. And what does she do in the movie? Do you remember? She picks up rocks and she throws it at the house. And she picks up another rock and she throws it at the house. And she picks up another rock and she throws it. And she throws another rock and she throws another rock. So after a while, she just collapses on the ground. She's exhausted from throwing the rocks. And Forrest makes this statement. Sometimes there just aren't enough rocks. Sometimes there aren't enough rocks. You'll never get them back. You'll never have them pay the price you paid by throwing rocks. As much as we want to. As much as we think it'll make us feel better. There are never going to be enough rocks. And the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that we don't need any more rocks. 
Now, forgiving is not condoning. It is saying, I will not be held captive anymore. I will not be a prisoner of my own hate. And the words from the Disney movie say, let it go. We've got to let it go. And it is hard to let go. But if we do not let it go, not only will it hold us captive, but we will never understand the depth of God's forgiveness for each one of us. And I don't think it's a mistake that Jesus put this phrase behind, give us this day our daily bread. Because I think he's also saying, and forgive us each day as we each day forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us today as we are forgiving today. It's a choice to extend the grace and mercy each day that has been given and extended to us. We don't have to have warm, fuzzy feelings about the other person. We just need to let it go. And we need to recognize that like this twig, and we go through life, we're going to step on people and hurt people. And they're going to step on us and hurt us. And there's no way that we will ever be able to put it back together again. There's no way we can make it right with those that we've hurt. We, we can't. And there's no way that someone who has hurt you will ever be able to put the pieces back together again. Forgiveness is a great gift on both sides. It's a great gift to recognize when we have been forgiven for the things that we have broken, that we have done. And it's a great gift to let go the anger against those who have so hurt us. We need to wipe the slate clean, just as God did with us. We need to let it go as God has done with us. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is teaching us how to reconcile relationships. Now, Peter, when he heard this, he thought, well, wait a minute, I'm pretty good at this, letting it go. You see, the teachers of the law say, you, you, you let it go three times, and then you throw them in jail. And here's what Peter says. Lord, after Jesus has done this teaching, or right before he gives the illustration of the parable, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven? I don't know what Andrew did that made Peter so mad or what brother he's talking about. But he comes up with the letter, the number seven. You see, seven is twice three plus one. 
I've doubled what was expected and added one. It also sounds like I, I'm working on completing, but where do I stop? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. And this is where you get into the language of the day to say the impossible number you forgive without end. What if they're not sorry? What do you do if they're not sorry? Well, Jesus would remind you that on the cross, as he is being crucified, he cries out one of the seven sayings, Father, forgive them. Jesus is extending forgiveness to folks who were actively in the act of putting him to death, who had no desire to ask for forgiveness. And yet Jesus forgave him, as did Stephen in the book of Acts, and as did Paul near the end of his life. The Old Testament, Psalm 103, I hope you take this to heart about God's love and forgiveness for each of us. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. Yet he does not deal with us according to our sins or repay us according to our iniquities, our failings. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Do you know, geographically, I am so glad Jesus didn't say as far as the north is from the south. Because that is a measurable distance. When you have the north pole and the south pole, you have a measurable distance he didn't say from the north to the south. He said from the east to the west, and the east and the west never meet. He forgives you as far as the east is from the west. It is continually, there is no end to his forgiveness. It is unmeasurable. So here's what Jesus is saying. There are hard statements that Jesus makes like, if, if anyone doesn't hate their father and mother and, and, and love me, then they cannot be my disciple. And you're thinking, well, let's unpack that. Jesus is showing us how his people live, what it looks like to be one of his children. And to be one of his children, we are to forgive as we have been forgiven. So who is it today? There are two people in many of our lives that need to be let out of jail today. We need to forgive someone fully and graciously as we have been forgiven. We need to let them out of jail. And if we do, the other person that gets let out of jail is you. That you might live holy and freely. You see, God says he is the judge. 
and he will take care of all wrongs. We are to live in his grace and let him be God. You think about that. Amen. Pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, there are people in my life who are locked up that I need to let go. And I can't wait to see what it's like to be free from holding them captive and thinking it made a difference. And I pray if there's anyone here who is holding themselves captive because they've not come to trust you as Lord and Savior, that they're still carrying the weight of their sin and failing. May they know your amazing grace, and then may they unleash, may all of us unleash that amazing grace wherever we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.